Several years ago, um, we had somebody come up to me after church, and we, I, I talked a lot about education. And I used to work at Ames and taught at UNC, and, and uh, so it's a big part of the way I view the world, and I think that the way we raise the watermark for our community, one way is through education. And so this person came to me and said, you talk a lot about education, but the church doesn't really do anything about it. And I was like, that's rude, and also kind of true. And um, it was Monica Ramirez who is no longer with us. She's gone to be with the Lord. And her and her husband very generously seeded a scholarship so we could start offering scholarships to, to students from our church. And so for the last, I don't know how many years now we've been doing this, we've probably, and I think we're at like 35 or so students whose uh, who's college education is either trade school or, or Ames or UNC or whatever, uh, we've helped advance because of these scholarships that we do. I think this is one of the most significant things we do as a church outside of sharing the gospel. And so... A few years ago, we also wrote a book. I, I wrote, I, me with, collaborating with a bunch of folks, I wrote this book, 50 Things I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me About College. And so if you don't have this, um, you can get it on, on Amazon. I have a few copies here. If you order it on Amazon, my grandsons will get better Christmas presents. So it's up to you. Um, but anyway, um, but we have uh, some scholarships to award here today. And the first one is I'm very excited about because it's Monica's son. So could I have Santi uh, Ramirez come on up? Come on, bring it in. There you go. Thank you. Stay up here. We're going to take a picture. We did one of these in the Spanish service already. He's at school uh, somewhere else. And so, uh, but Sierra Jasso, Sierra here. All right. And then last, oh, one more, a uh, couple more. Emily Mondragon. Emily. There you go. Don't leave me hanging. Thank you. Last one is Shante Sanchez. There you go. Thank you. Got it. Got it. Picture. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And thank you because it's because of your giving that we, we, don't, we're, we don't have this organization that takes care of us or some denomination. It's everything that happens here happens at the local level because of your giving. So thank you very much for doing that. Yep. So we're in this series, When Pigs Fly, and we've been talking about miracles. Hey, Ralph, can I have a Dorito? Sure, when pigs fly. <laughs> hey, Ralph. Hey, dude. Good boy. 
How many were worried about the pig? He made it, so good, all right. So we've been looking at, uh, we've been talking about miracles, and we talked about the miracle of salvation, and we talked about the miracle of protection, and last week, uh, Adam Bailey did an incredible job sharing with us his vision for launching a church in Denver, which we're going to be a part of, and so today, we're going to answer a question that often comes up uh, in, when we have these kind of conversations. The question is, what do I do while I'm waiting for a miracle? Uh, because sometimes we're not quite where we want to be, but we're not where we used to be. We're somewhere kind of in the middle, in between. The dictionary defines in between as situated somewhere between two recognized categories. It's an intermediate thing. You're not where you're going, but you're not where you were either. You're somewhere in between. We've created, especially with cell phones, what researchers call placelessness. And it, what that means is um, we're not really in a place anymore. We're somewhere usually in between. Have you ever had a conversation with someone while they were on their phone? And you're trying to talk to them, and their body is sitting there, but they're somewhere else. You know what I mean? How many get frustrated in those moments when you're like, you're trying to talk to them, they're like, yeah, 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 I'm listening, I'm listening. And then you see them go, you know what I mean? Like, you're not listening, you're taking selfies, and right, you're, right? How many have ever been guilty of being the person that, that yes, okay, good. good. Honest people, all right. So um, one of my favorite commercials illustrates this kind of tension of, of being uh, somewhere, but not really being somewhere. It's so nice to spend time, just you and me. I know, this is great. You know, I feel like, did you just check the game on your phone? What, no. What am I, like some kind of summoner who can just summon footage to his phone like that? Come on. I guess I'm just a little oh. oversensitive. It's just that you and yes. I... Only AT&T's network lets your iPhone download three times faster. AT&T. What we've become is a society that can't sit and wait, right? We have to fill that space with something being in this kind of in-between place is hard. And so I used to teach, like I said, at UNC and Ames, and, and I, one of the things I would teach about is the American attention span. And in 1951, it radically changed. And the person responsible for that was Lucille Ball. So she did something with her show, I Love Lucy. Uh, she did several things. She was an innovator, she was a genius. And one of the things she did is uh, she was the first show to film in front of a live audience so you could hear people really laughing. And that's something a lot of shows still do today. Uh, she was the first show to ever use three cameras at the same time. That was another innovation that sitcoms still use today. And she was the, it was the first major sitcom to run for 30 minutes. And so what that did is they created this 30 minute time slot where they would show about seven or eight minutes of, of the show, and then there'd be a break, a commercial break, and then another seven or eight minutes, and then a commercial break. And so what that trained the American attention span to do is to pay attention in short bursts. And so when we're sitting, we can only sit and wait for so long before we need a break. And so that, when I teach uh, pastors and public speakers, I teach them, you know, you gotta do, uh, when you speak, Give it to them in about seven or eight minutes and then give them some kind of mental break, a story, a video, a joke, something like that to give, a, to give their brain a chance to reset and then pay attention again. Now with the internet, that eight minute attention span is so much shorter. Like if someone sends you a video, says you should watch this video, it's so funny, and you look at it and it's three minutes long, you're like, I'm not watching that. Who's got three minutes to sit and watch, right? So you just give it a LOL, like if you, but you really didn't watch it. 
They're like, it was really sad. Why did you laugh? Well, it's a, I'm sorry. I was busy, right? It's got to be like 15 seconds. And then you're like, okay, I'll watch that 15 seconds, maybe 30 seconds, right? Because our attention span is so short because we're not used to sitting. We don't want to sit. We, we want to be doing something. And so now you have someone to blame for your short attention span. You can blame Lucille Ball. You can blame the internet if you want, right? TikTok. But the truth is we have to blame ourselves because we choose to be restless. We choose to always be doing something. We don't want to be sitting. And so there, in the story, there's a, in the Bible, there's a story of two guys who get put in um, what I call adult timeout. You know what that is? Jail. All right? You ever talk to somebody? Uh, Uncle Billy went away for a while. All right. Uncle Billy's in the joint. You know what I mean? Okay. So these guys, uh, these two guys, it's Paul and Silas. Paul is one of the great heroes of the Bible. He wrote about half of the New Testament. And uh, in this, actually in our Bible reading plan that we're in right now in Corinthians, Paul wrote Corinthians to the church in Corinth. And their story picks up in Acts chapter 16. So these two guys are, are going to prayer. They're on their way to prayer. They've been in this city for a couple of days. And while they're in this certain city, there's this young lady who's been following them around. And she's a fortune teller. And she's possessed by a demon. That's what gives her the ability to, to tell people's fortunes. By the way, the enemy doesn't know the future. He's limited. Only God knows the future, right? But she's been following them around. And what she's been doing is she's been telling everybody, they, everywhere they go, these men are real servants of the Most High God, which seems like good. She's like their hype guy, kind of, right? But Paul gets sick of it. He's tired of it. So he turns around and he says, demon, come out of this girl. And the demon does, which is good, right? Except she was a slave and her owners made money off of her telling fortunes. So they get really upset. Now, by the way, don't go to fortune tellers. Don't go to curanderas. Don't go read tarot cards. You don't need to read the horoscope. We do not look at the stars to know our future. We talk to the one who created the stars. He's the one that tells us. So these guys do something really good for this lady, and the owners get really mad, and they have them beaten and thrown in jail. So this is where the story picks up. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I know sometimes you have a bad day and you say, you know, I can't get good Wi-Fi. This is the worst day ever, right? My, my hair didn't come out right. It's the worst day ever. I could help you with that. I do my own. Um, <laughs> My, my kid won't do his homework. This is the worst day ever. And, I, and I, I know those are bad days, but let me tell you, this is the bad day. These guys are having, they've been beaten, they're bloody, they've been thrown into prison, and they're innocent. They're just doing what God told them to do. They were innocent, and they're thrown into jail. So what do they do while they're waiting? This is what they do. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, these guys have been mistreated. They've been falsely accused. They're innocent. They've been beaten. They're in chains. So they could have done a lot of things. They could have complained, this isn't right. This isn't fair. Somebody call Frank Azar for me. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't, they could have done that. They could have complained to God. God, this isn't right. This isn't just. You must not be just. They could have been defending themselves. I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. This isn't right. They could have been talking about what they're going to do to those guys when they get out of there. I'm going to get those guys back, right? But instead of any of that, they're praying and they're worshiping. 
Oftentimes, when we're attacked or in situations like this, one of the most popular things we do is we lash out at the people closest to us, right? The, the people that we say we love, that's usually a pretty popular move. We, we lash out at those people. Instead, these guys focus on God, on how awesome He is. These guys who are bloody and beaten and in chains are singing and worshiping God. They focus on the one thing that's good, Jesus. Oftentimes, uh, I, don't, I don't get asked a ton of, a lot of this, but I do some. I'm not a counselor, but I'll meet with a couple who's going through stuff, and we'll meet for a couple times, and if it's more than that, then I refer to them to a professional. But, but usually when someone comes into my office, uh, what they want is they want the pastor to tell their husband or their wife uh, what they've been telling them. You get what I'm saying? They just want a bigger hammer, right? Tell them, pastor. Tell them what, it, you know, tell them what she's doing wrong, right? So... And so usually when they come in, by the time they get to my office, they're usually heated and they're ready. They got the gun loaded, right? We're about to unload on this guy and tell him everything that's wrong with him. And so what I usually do is I'll start out by saying, I know, we're, before we talk about whatever we're here to talk about, uh, how did you meet? And every time you see the shoulders relax, a little smile, he was so sweet. He followed me home from work every day for a month. <laughs> it was so cute. I'm like, really? Because that seems illegal. <laughs> but I try and get them to focus on something positive. We're there to do something. We're going to deal with the negative, right? But first, let's focus on the one thing in your story, at least. That's good, that moment. That's what these guys are doing. They're teaching us that when things are bad and things are... Now, you, you can spend all your time focusing on the negative if you want. You can, on what you don't have, on the things you don't have going for you, on how things are not going well, on how nobody's helping you, and it will poison your spirit and you'll become a toxic, negative complainer. Have you ever been around one of those? Right, someone that's just like, man, things aren't, aren't going good. I heard there might be layoffs at work and the car's making a weird noise now just found out the cat's pregnant, like she's not even married, I don't know what we're going to do. You could do that. But I would encourage you, instead of that, focus on the one thing that you know is good, Jesus. That's what we see these guys doing. Now, notice what's happening around them while they do this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to him. Maybe you're in a difficult in-between right now. Maybe you have a difficult boss who never says thank you, he never says please, he's, he's all, he never even says good morning. One time you bought him a burrito, he didn't say thank you, and he didn't pay you for it, you know what I mean? And, and you're, you, you could very uh, justifiably complain about the guy. But you gotta remember, that there are people around you who are not Christians, but they know you are. And they're watching to see how a Christian responds when they're being unjustly treated. Let me say that again, because that was really good. There are people around you who are watching to see how a Christian responds when they are being unjustly treated. Maybe this is happening so that people around you can see how a Christian responds, and then they're going to turn their life to God. What if that's the whole point? Maybe you have a teacher who's mean to you, and they love failing students. Maybe you're one of those that says, my teacher doesn't like me. Okay, let me, let me 
give you some, some news. You ready? I used to teach. I had students I didn't like. I'm like, I don't like that guy. He gets on my nerves. So there are teachers that don't like you, and that's, that's a part of life. So just deal with it. Instead of complaining about it and saying, well, nobody's helping me. The teacher doesn't like me. They probably don't like you. But <laughs> let me remind you that there are students around you who are watching how a Christian kid handles being unjustly treated. That's why I treated my students bad, so that their friends would come to Christ. You see? It was, a, it was evangelistic what I was doing. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't treat them bad, right? Paul and Silas decided that they would be good at waiting. Even in this waiting period, we're going to be good at this. We're gonna, did you know that kids that can wait do better in school than kids that can't? So in 1970, Stanford did a study, and they got a bunch of four-year-old kids. They brought them in a room one at a time, and they said, they sat them down at a table, and they put a marshmallow in front of the kid. And they said, you can eat this. I'm going to leave the room. And you can eat this marshmallow if you want. But if you'll wait for me to come back in 15 minutes, I'll give you another marshmallow, and you'll get two marshmallows. So it's up to you. You can have the one, or you can wait, and then you'll get two. Now, telling a, a four-year-old kid to wait 15 minutes would be like me telling you, I'm going to bring you coffee in two hours. Right? It's, a, it's, an, it's an eternity. And so, so this is what happened uh, this, is, this is not the video of the original experiment. This was reproduced, and it was reproduced in Argentina. So the video is in Spanish, but you're going to figure out really quickly what happens. Hasta para un niño de cuatro años, es atractiva la idea de tener el 100% de retorno a la inversión en 15 minutos. Sin embargo, algunos de ellos, tan pronto la puerta se cerró, se comieron el marshmallow inmediatamente. resistieron el impulso. Weren't you cheering for that girl? You're like, come on, right? Two out of the three kids ate the marshmallow. Some of them made it in five seconds. Some waited five minutes. Some waited 14 and a half minutes. 
and then they ate the marshmallow. But one-third did not. They would smell it, they would look at it, they'd put it back, they'd walk around the room, they'd play with their clothes, they would do everything they could to distract themselves because they understood something, they, they understood at a very young age, good things come to those who can wait. And so these kids, so what's really interesting about the study is 15 years later, they went back and they checked up on those kids. And 100% of the kids that waited, 100% of them had good SAT scores, most of them were in college, and they were excellent students. Now some, but not all of them, but some of the kids that ate the marshmallow struggled in school, many had dropped out, they had problems with their teachers, some of them had been in jail. Now there was one girl that I thought was fascinating, she got the marshmallow, she ate the inside of the bottom, and then she put it back. And I thought, this girl's going to go places in life, but you got to keep an eye on her. You know what I mean? Like, maybe what God is teaching us to do is to wait, to be patient, to trust Him. So back to Paul and Silas. What do these guys do while they're waiting? We left them, and at midnight, they're singing and praying and worshiping God. And this is what happens next. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. What kind of message do you think the guys who were listening got from this? Do you think at the end of this they believed that Jesus was Lord? I'm going to guess that they did. When their chains fell off and the doors flew open, I thought, I bet they thought, you know what, I'm gonna, whatever they're doing, I'm going to do that. You know, whatever God, their church, I'm going to their church. You know what I mean? God showed himself because they waited. What we do while we wait is important. These guys worshiped. Maybe what God's doing is he's waiting on you to make the first move. He's waiting on you to do something. For Paul and Silas, it was to worship. Or maybe what God's trying to teach us is the good stuff of life happens in the in-between place. It's not going from thing to thing to thing to thing and waiting, thinking that's going to make us happy, but rather maybe it's, it's not the dance recitals and the baseball games. Maybe it's the time that you drive your kid to practice every day and get some one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. Maybe that's really the stuff of life. Maybe it's not the next promotion, or maybe it's not getting the next, the next job, but maybe what it is is it's enjoying the work just for the work itself, finding meaning and purpose in the work. Maybe it's the oil changes and the diaper changes that really are the stuff of life. So this might shock some of you, but I love Oreo cookies. <laughs> I, know, I know that's a shock, but I, I love... And I, I was shocked to find out in the other service that there are some people that call Mosaic their church. They probably even have a cross on their cars. And their favorite part of an Oreo is not the filling. It's the cookie. Are there any social deviants in here that we need to pray for? That like, oh my, look at that. How many like the in-between part the best? The double stuff, my people, yes. Now, the, 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 to me, the cookie is, it's okay, but really, the best part of it is the stuff in between. To me, that's... Doctor, my sure. And we didn't buy those generic Oreos. We bought real ones. Some of you, I know you tell your kids, these are good, but they're really the store brand. And they figure it out because they can read Oreo. By the way, we have Oreos for everyone as you leave church here today. So. 
And the other services, I just took a bite. Here I ate the whole thing, and my mouth is dry. Sorry. I'm still learning. <laughs> Maybe what God wants us to learn is it's not the next thing. It's the in-between that he wants us to enjoy. Because sometimes we get so fixated on, on when I get promoted, then I'll get more money, and then things are going to really be good, and, and then we'll be happy, and then I'll like going to work, and then we'll have more money. Or when we get this bill paid off, then our finances will be on track, and we'll really start to be able to enjoy life. Or when I finish school, then things are going to be great. When I go back to school, when I get married, then I'll start to travel, then I'll start to enjoy life. And then you get married, and you find out, like, man, it was really better back then. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so. Kids want to turn 16 because they go, man, when I turn 16, then I'm going to be able to drive and I'll be able to go everywhere. Then you turn 16, then you go, you know, when I turn 18, then nobody's going to tell me what to do and then I'll make all the rules. And then you turned 18 and you found out, man, it was better when I was 12 and I got to eat cereal that I didn't have to pay for. And maybe, maybe what God's trying to teach us is it's not always the next thing, but it's what we do during the in-between that really matters the most. Maybe God wants us to enjoy the here and the now instead of always trying to get to the next thing. So a few years ago, um, Diane and I celebrated uh, an anniversary, and it was the, we took the trip of our lives. Benji, our, our worship leader, uh, works for Delta Airlines for about two more weeks, and then he's coming on full-time here at the church, which I'm really excited about. Yep. But during that time, he gave us two buddy passes that we could fly anywhere in the world. And so don't ask him for them now because he's quitting. But anyway, so I'm, I messed that up for some of you. Sorry. Um, so we went to Italy for our, our anniversary. We had a great time. We were there, I don't know, about 10 days total, something like that. We found out that in Italy, they really do eat Italian food every day. Like I thought, okay, enough with the spaghetti and the pizza. What else you guys got? Nothing. It was just spaghetti. I don't know how those guys are not all on my 600-pound life. You know what I mean? Like, anyway. So we get to the end of our trip, we're flying home on buddy passes, we go to the airport in Venice, and they said, there's no flights, there's no seats left on this flight. Okay, well, cool, we'll wait for the next one. They check the next one, there's no seats on that one either. What about the next one? You should probably come back tomorrow. So at this point in our trip, we're already, we're broke, and we're ready to come home. So that last day we spent in Venice, sitting in our hotel room, eating Pringles, and watching movies on our iPad. <laughs> like, that's what we did. We go back to the airport, the guy says, you're not getting on a plane today. And I said, okay, what, what, what would you do if you were us? He goes, you could be here for a week waiting. It's like, Ugh. he goes, so if I was you, I would take a train to either Berlin, Germany, or Zurich, Switzerland. To me, sounds, uh, they sound a million miles away. So we said, okay, well, let's, he goes, if you go to Switzerland, I'll bet you get out tomorrow morning. Cool. So we took a train ride through the Swiss Alps, through Switzerland, and it was so incredibly beautiful that I took some pictures. You guys want to see some? Okay, here's one. The train is going like 80 miles an hour. So I was like, okay, I could do better. Here's another one. There's another picture of our trip, our <laughs> incredible train ride through the Swiss Alps. So I tried that a couple times, and then I just said, you know what, forget this. I sat down in my chair, I held my wife's hand, and I said, we are living a once-in-a-lifetime moment in between where we're trying to get to. Let's just enjoy the moment. Your kids are only going to be this age right now. This is the youngest you're ever going to be. So stop waiting for tomorrow and just enjoy now. 
And while we're waiting for the now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on the one good thing, Jesus. Paul and Silas, as they were waiting for a miracle, they prayed and worshiped God. So that's what I want to invite you to do. Let's pray. Father, God, we trust you. And as we're waiting, and there's a, a list of miracles that people in this room need. There's a list of miracles that people joining us online need. And, and we trust you, God. We know it's coming. But while we wait, we're going to focus on you. We're going to lift our voices. We're going to lift our hearts. We're going to pray, and we're going to worship, trusting and knowing that you're going to take care of it when it's time. We trust you and we love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last worship song with us? We need a fresh wind, a fragrance of Jesus, and maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe you've never decided to walk a life with God. And so if that's you, we want to give you the opportunity today to make that choice. And there's nothing magical you have to do. It's just a prayer. And so I'm going to say that prayer, and it's really about the heart behind it. But I'm going to ask everyone in the room to repeat after me to create a spirit of faith. Please say, Dear Jesus, forgive me for every evil thing I've ever done. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Today I make a promise to follow you. And make you Lord of my life. Please help me to be more like you. Amen. If you just said that prayer, congratulations. We're so happy for you. Y'all can take a seat. We would like to walk with you on this journey. And so you see the QR code on the back of the seat in front of you. Would you just scan that and select New Believer? We would love to send you some materials and just support you as you take your next steps. So in three weeks, we have Mosaic's birthday and it's their 16th birthday. Isn't that awesome? I have been at Mosaic since day one, but it's because Angel and Diana are my parents, so I like had to be there, you know? But I'm so proud of this community, and I'm so proud of everything that we all do in this room to make Mosaic what it is and to reach Greeley and beyond with the love of God. So you have to be here September 17th. We're having a combined service with our Spanish, and so we'll have two services, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, and don't worry, we'll be posting on social media so you won't forget but you have to be here. And we have our connect groups coming up. So if you have ever been to a connect group, then you know they're awesome. It's where lives change, it's where you have the difficult conversations because life is hard. No one in this room has ever not been through something difficult. And our connect groups are designed to help you walk through that, whether it's problems at work or in your relationships or your family or any of the above. 
Connect groups are where it's at, I promise you. So if you have the personality that you're like, yeah, I kind of have, I have a lot of friends, or I have this hobby, and, and I would like to share that with other people, will you just pull out this slip? You don't, you're not signing your life away. You can still you know, choose not to do it, but if you're even interested in hosting a small group for anything, we have like 10 dudes in this room who do jujitsu. Like that should be a connect group, okay? So someone here, host one. Um, I won't go to it because I'm scared, but you should host it. So fill this out, put it in the Dropbox as you exit. There's a Dropbox, a black one on the wall. That's where you can put it in. Uh, we have our Discover Mosaic class today, so if you've never been through Discover and learned more about Mosaic and, and what we are as a community, you should come. We feed dinner, it's only an hour long. Be here tonight, you'll learn more about Mosaic as a church and how you can get plugged in to be a greeter or someone on our tech team or a kids team, you should come, it's awesome. And after Discover tonight, we have our worship night. That's at seven o'clock, it's awesome. If you've ever been here, it's a it's an hour of just you and God and resetting for the next month ahead. So please come tonight at seven. Our next act of worship is we're gonna take our tithes and our offering. And I love Mosaic because we are such a generous community. Like being around you all has made me a more generous person. The Bible says give and it will come back to you. And I believe that when we're generous, it gives back peace and joy and um, contentment. So I'm gonna say a prayer over today's offering. I'm also gonna pray for us to leave this morning and, and head on on our way. But if you would like additional prayer, we will have our prayer team up here and they would love to pray with you for anything going on in your life. So please come up here if you would like additional prayer. God, thank you so much for getting us here today. Some of us in this room had a hard morning. We didn't know if we were gonna make it, but here we are. God, I pray for every single person in this room some of us know that we're gonna have a hard week. God, I pray that you walk with us, I pray that you be with us, and I pray you protect us as we get in the in-between. And God, I pray for those of us who are headed into a week where we're excited and good things are about to happen. God, would you be with us as well? Be with us on the in-between, the day-to-day, -day, the grind, until we see each other again. Love you, Mosaic. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.